Evelyn Dickhouse, age nine. William Kinney, nine years old. Hallie Scruggs, age nine. Mike Hill, 61 years old. Catherine Kuntz, age 60. Cynthia Peake, 61 years old. It feels so cheap to reduce them to a name and their age. But I want those names to never be forgotten. But there's so much more than that. And because we can't get our collective heads out of our asses, someone else is going to feel the pain that those families share and their lives forever changed. Endeavoring to do something they never contemplated because we can't do something so simple. We got to do better. Those numbers, those figures, one in four deaths in the state of Tennessee of children aged 1 to 17 is caused by a firearm. It is the number one cause of death of children in our state. 25%. Multiple polls done by multiple entities from outside the state and from inside the state all indicate the same thing. Approximately, roughly, give or take a few percentage points, three-quarters of our population, 75% of the state of Tennessee, is in favor of reasonable action on firearm reform and safety. The numbers, Jamie, do not get any more clear than that. I hope that the names stay as clear for everyone. I know that our guest today on this particular episode is forever changed. We will hear from Melissa Alexander today, who has a child at Covenant School and has seen her life diverge in a completely different way than she ever expected. And we will talk with her today. And at the end, after the conversation with her, Jamie, we will present some, I guess you would call them reasonable, but at least steps that the legislative body could take to address this issue. But I don't know how it was not a life-defining moment in our state, in our city. Um, there is before and there is after. It's almost like we're waiting on the next generation to do something. I've said before, Braden, I'm Gen X, and we have shit the bed on this issue of firearms and the Second Amendment. But we're in a public health crisis, and the pendulum has swung, at least in the state of Tennessee, on the firearms issue as far as it possibly can be swung. It has to tilt back just a little bit in the other direction before we all just start 
shooting one another. And if this doesn't do it, I don't know what will. Melissa has put in a lot of time and a lot of effort to work on what you're talking about. We're going to discuss some of that work with her. She's got actionable advice for folks who want to be a part of the solution. She's got wisdom that she has gained over the last year, less than, that she can impart on folks who want to be a part of the solution. And as I have said on this show, Jamie, many times about many issues, I think we are all more alike than we think. It is why that polling number is at 70%, give or take. Three quarters of our population agrees. Action should be taken. Um, They're trying to do hard shit, Braden. Yeah. Yes, they are. Might be the hardest shit to do in this space. And they're going to struggle mightily, as they already have and continue to do for some time. And I don't know what it's going to take to swing it. But there's some easy, attainable things that could be done to make, not about anybody's feelings, but make everybody safer. Nobody I know thinks someone suffering mental health issues should have access to a gun. No one I know says, yeah, eh, let's let them have it. Nobody thinks that. So we'll present a few of those after our conversation with Melissa. But to your point about life-defining, and certainly it, it is nothing compared to what the families of the Covenant community have gone through. But as my wife and I that day, that night, walked around our house with our kindergartner for the first time, and sadly, I can rattle off a lot of the names of the, sh- of the different incidents that have taken place around the country. None of them have happened in my community, and none of them have happened when I had a child in a school. And I know that we, we couldn't function that night as a couple and as parents. We've never not had an answer to a question that our daughter asked us. And when she brought up... uh. You know, how how things unfolded at her school that day, we, we didn't have an answer for her. We didn't have a lie that we could tell her. We, we had nothing. And it's the first time as a parent to that point about six years that I did not have an answer for my daughter. And that feeling is, uh, it is not left. I still know exactly how it feels. Um, everybody's got a story from that day. And I hope people listen to Melissa's. Immediate conversation with my spouse that morning. I was in the Cordo Hall building that day. And when the news broke and being in the Cordo Hall building, you have faster information flow than even on X, Braden. And TV's everywhere, et cetera. But I saw people running out of the building that day. No idea what was happening. Figured there was some connection. There obviously was. Much later, saw those people in the weeks past. And you didn't know what to say, but you knew that that shit can come to your home for no reason at all. And you felt guilty sitting there thinking, well, my kids are safe. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. And frankly, up until that day, I'd never heard of the covenant school didn't know where it was didn't know what was going on but the weeping while watching but also guilt-ridden at the same time that hey your family is okay life-altering 
life-changing because we can't do something. But we can if we can make it worth it to them. And I think listening to Melissa will help a lot of that. Um, and our conversation with her, for the record, a, a lot lighter and uh, more enjoyable than listening to you and I talk, Jamie. But uh, before we send the send you guys to to hear from her, uh, we will present some some small changes that we think are possible uh, after the conversation. So stick around for that. But the last point, I think, to piggyback off your your point, uh, a friend of mine who's in sports media, has kids in school and daycare in, in the area near Covenant School and expressed on one of his own uh, podcasts, one of his own shows, uh, a lot of the emotion of the day, not knowing if it was their school or not, much like you sort of experienced as well. Many, many folks did. He used a, he sort of made a point that I want to reiterate, which is, and, and I got this from friends and family when they found out, and it is meant well. It is meant to to say I'm thinking about somebody, or or it's meant in in a good way. But basically, the the I can't imagine phrase comes up a lot when when people found out about it, and I got texts from friends and family saying, "Oh, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what you are experiencing." And while it is meant in good spirit and good nature and in love, I want to look at anyone who has the instinct to say that to someone and, and say, you better start imagining it because it is only a matter of time before it comes to your community or your family, your area, someone you know, it, if we don't do something about it. So I don't want to hear, I can't imagine. You need to start because it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. If we don't do something. If it keeps happening again, you don't do anything about it. Isn't that the very definition of insanity? That it is, my friend. That it is. All right. Melissa has been on quite a, quite a journey in the last 10 months. And so... Enough of you and I, Jay. Let's hear from Melissa Alexander, mother of a child at the Covenant School, and a big part of why we might have an opportunity to have some change in this department. So here was our conversation with Melissa Alexander. Melissa, thank you so much for coming in uh, to the studio and joining us. We do appreciate your time. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we've got a lot of stuff to get to today, and I just want to start with, um, we obviously know that, that tragedy is how this all started, but I'd like to find out what the conversations were like with your family, with your friends, with your community, when you, you become a part of this thing that's happening in the state of Tennessee following a tragedy. You come back home mm -hmm. after becoming a part of it. What were those conversations like with friends, family, and community mm -hmm. initially? Well, first off, being a, in Tennessee and Nashville, the community here is amazing. And everybody, you know, wrapped their arms around the Covenant families. And I just, people poured out of every which way, wanting to feed us, love on us, pray for us, uh, give us things, um, do things for our family. And so I, it was just a beautiful kind of time of gratitude, right? But it was also a deep, deep sadness, right? We were dealing with six funerals in a short amount of time. We were dealing with learning little details from our children and, and my son being on that second floor, what it was like to see the things and experience the things that he experienced, which no human being, not just not even a child should have to experience and things that I never imagined. And so one of the things that I wanted to be able to do, I had a lot of friends, they wanted to know the story. They were curious and I could feel that. And I wanted to be able to share it. I was open enough to, to want to educate people because I don't want this to happen again. So I wanted to tell them all of the details, at least just my own story. I didn't share other people's stories. 
all those details about how this tragedy affected our family. I wanted them to understand so that they could also make the link between these dangerous firearms and things that maybe could be preventable and maybe spark them to action. I've noticed that in the rhetoric and in the stories, y'all have been put in a box, if you will. You're known, whether want to or not, as a covenant mom. And, oh, there's the moms. Mm -hmm. Did you ever imagine being put in such a box by coming to participate in the legislative process? No, I mean, I think it's, I I didn't imagine that that would be the label, you know, she's a, she's the covenant mom, but um, I think that label carries a lot of weight and it carries also a lot of power with it because a lot of people, everybody in this town, everybody kind of all over the country knows what happened at covenant. And so immediately when you identify yourself as a covenant mom, people stop and they want to hear. And so having that ability to be able to explain and tell them um it's almost like you are people automatically relate to you when they find out you're a covenant mom and so yeah while I didn't expect the title I I don't take it lightly either I think um it it does carry a lot of weight how have you met with all the legislators um not every single one of them uh we met with over 60 over the summer and uh, mostly on the uh, republican side how does what they've said to you in private contrast with what they've done or said on the floor or voted in committee or on the floor? Well, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I know we're talking about guns. Nice analogy, right? Me. Um, I hate it when I use those kind of analogies, but there I go. But some of them were very blunt and said, we'll never pass a, um, you know, we've been asking for temporary transfer laws and some of them have started the conversation with, and they, they say red flag. <laughs> like We'll never pass a red flag law. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Um, let's take a step back because I, let's qualify who you're talking to right now. Let's, let's look at this group of, of moms and, and who's, who's saying this to you and ask, begging you for change. We are typically conservative. Some of us, you know, we're bipartisan, but I'll speak for myself. I'm a conservative Christian mother who also attends Covenant Church. Um, And so I think there's a lot of ways we have common ground, right? And so let's let's take a step back. Let, Let me tell you a little bit about what happened. And let me tell you about our beliefs and the fact that I own our family as a whole owns guns and we're not afraid of them. And let's 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 go back talk about this and then let's talk about the issue and see what maybe you can do some tweaks and smaller things that can make our state safer so no they jamie they have not made these outward promises to us um, but a lot of them have been open to conversing back and forth well that leads me to the advocacy organizations to keep laws the way they are or make firearms more available groups like the Tennessee Firearms Association. Have you had any interactions with those advocates in the halls of the Court of Hall building? And if so, how are those? I have not had any interactions with them. I think it would be good to meet with them. So I'm open to any type of meeting, but I have not to date. One cruelty of politics is that you're guilty by association. And I see that happen all the time up there. And y'all have been, whether you were did it voluntarily or it was co-opted any guilt by association are you feeling that at all okay so probably the reason why i don't understand this question is because i am not a politician okay i'm just a regular mom right and um i can appreciate somebody who is aligning with me on one issue and maybe we don't agree on everything right isn't that how it should be, right? Yep. Why why uh, write somebody off because on one single issue they have alignment with someone maybe you don't who's from a different party. I just maybe it all boils down to maybe we've become too have uh, gone too far to our corners, right? Uh-huh. And 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 maybe what we are showing people is we don't need to be in corners. Here are some regular suburban moms who just want change let's all hang out let's all like get together and do this and and i wish they would converse more because it it, it does 
feel like they don't even, sometimes don't even talk. Like they don't even, let's all sit in a room and just have a conversation and see what happens. I think they talk about things they agree on, <laughs> yeah, things they easy. don't oh, agree that, on. That's they easy. Don't talk. That's easy to, yeah. to do, but hey, take a, take a play example from our playbook. I mean, we're having really hard conversations with people that don't agree with us yeah. and we're doing it in a very grown up manner. I think, okay, well, let's spin it the other way then, okay. because you come at it from with a fresh set of eyes. You come at it from a totally different perspective. And for those that have been in the system, for lack of a better term, they kind of see all the different machinations. What advantages do you think someone in your situation has coming into the a political arena, but seeing it with a different perspective? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, well, I, I think our approach is very genuine and heartfelt, right? We don't have any kind of we don't come with any ba- political baggage. <laughs> Before March 27th, I had nothing to do with politics. I knew nothing about it. I was kind of oblivious to all of this. And so there's kind of a, there's a genuine aspect to that. And I'm not, we don't even have our uh, nonprofit covenant families for brighter tomorrows doesn't even have a lobbyist. Okay. We were, we will not hire a lobbyist because we want to be the ones advocating on our own behalf. And so, um, you, there's, when we're coming into a room talking to somebody, they know like we are being outward truthful. There is no, um, ulterior motive here. I know you guys have your organization, but it seems like there's a lot of folks that are in that space working together. Do you have advice for folks that are in your your shoes that want to be involved more? Yes, there are there are several coalitions, and I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, there is Voices for Safer Tennessee, which is doing really good work on uh, several firearm issues. Um, there's Rise and Shine. Um, Miriam has been a force up there. Um, they are not just focused on firearms, but other issues in the state. Um, there's Awake. There's Moms Demand. Um, there's also Covenant Families. And it is really easy to connect with these folks online, on social media, and they are, they are welcoming anybody with open arms if you want to get involved on these issues. And so I'm very appreciative of all the different voices that have joined in on the conversation. So part of this is to get people engaged and sort of awake and paying attention. And it's part of what we want to do um, and provide solutions. Is there anything that you would have done differently over the last 10 months? Um, I don't. I don't know. I have no regrets, guys. I mean, honestly, I went straight from I'm still living in the throes of trauma in, in with my family. And um, I wish and I'm also a, I work full time. My husband works full time. I mean, I wish I had a two of me. You know, that's the only thing is I, I wish I had more time to do this stuff. Um, but as far as regrets, no, I, I am just trying to do we as a group are just trying to do the very best we can. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't see any one place where I have a regret, um, to speak of. What does a win look like? Uh, uh, there's a lot of different ways to answer that, but you know, if we could get some safer firearm legislation in our state, then that would be a huge win and make progress. Uh, one of the things that we saw in special session was because of the narrow focus of the call, right? You you have this call and you have, I don't know, there was like 14 points. And, and anybody who wrote legislation, had it had to do with some of those points. What we didn't anticipate is some really awful legislation that was more pro-gun or pro-firearm or pro-arming. It was an arming teacher's bill that came out. I will tell you our biggest win to date was fighting that legislation, being on the defense, not on the offense, and 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 showing up to every committee meeting and giving our te- personal testimonies. And uh, that bill, which was um, sponsored by Chris Todd, we got it killed. And I think we did. If if people in the state knew what was about to happen, I think they would. I mean, they would be so upset if they knew that. Any teacher in their classroom, if this bill passed, any teacher in their classroom would be able to, not just a teacher, an adult, would be able to carry a weapon onto a school campus, to the football game, to the event, um, as long as they had an eight-hour enhanced carry permit. Okay, lifelong gun owner here, eight hours of training ain't nothing. Tennessean, too, it ain't nothing, y'all. So you asked, you you kind of mentioned coming from the corners, and that's been a, a theme on our show for a lot of different issues is that the hollowing out of the middle is, as Jamie calls it in, in, in this situation, 
outside of legislative folks, when you get back to the community, friends, family, all that stuff, do you feel people coming out of the corners at all? Do, do oh, you, yes. Yes. I love this question. The constituents here in the state, um, because I have come out as more of a conservative Christian um, and I work in a more conservative industry um, in real estate, um, commercial real estate, and I have people calling me and saying, hey, um, you know, I've seen you out advocating for these uh, fire, these firearm safety laws. Can you tell me exactly what you're looking to do? And I'll explain, you know, uh, temporary transfer. You know, if somebody's having a mental crisis, they can temporarily transfer their guns to somebody else so they can't have them. Um, and everybody's like, that makes total sense. I would, I hundred percent agree with that. And, um, you know, there's the safe storage laws and, um, other safety measures, expanded background checks, reasonable gun owners, especially want this stuff. We know how, especially gun owners know how powerful that a weapon can be. And, um, and, and if you look at the polls, right, if you look at, the poll that was put out by Voices, which was done by Donald Trump's pollster. It, um, if you look at the Tennessean poll, the Vanderbilt poll, the governor's own survey, every one of them are aligned. 70 to 75% of Tennesseans want safer gun laws. And, and, and a majority of them responded favor, favorably to a temporary transfer law. Wow, 70, 75%. That's a lot of folks, right? Like, come on. Like, wh why is this not translating up into our legislature? I don't know. But maybe if we keep talking about it and we get more people involved, I'm hopeful. You talk about wins, that'd be a huge win just to get more people involved and speaking out on these issues. Well, that dovetails nicely into the next question, and that is why do you think, if you know or have a thought on it, the legislature seems misaligned with public opinion on this issue? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Politics is a power game, <laughs> okay? And um, I see a lot of, um, I, I do see a loud group of people that are almost like, I, I saw this one group um, at during special session and, and they were a um, firearms association. It wasn't the TFA, it was another one. And, and they were doing interviews and they like said, hey, we're going to squash these people if they vote for any of these bills. And, and it's almost like it, they feel a little bit threatened by maybe they'll lose their base or maybe lose their seat if they uh, vote in favor of safer firearm le legislation. So I, I, in my opinion, I think a lot of it is about power. How do you feel when you're in the building? Because as you know, if you didn't know before, you know now that people are allowed under certain conditions to bring firearms into the court of hall building. How, how does, does that have any impact on your feeling of comfort and safety in there? No, no. And, and people, excuse me, you might be surprised that I would say no. I have grown up around firearms. Uh, a lot of people I know carry. I'm not afraid. That's not, I'm not afraid of the usual gun owner that is, you know, has a, you have to have a permit to carry in there. I'm not really afraid of those people. I'm afraid of the people who are mentally incapacitated. Um, I am, I'm used to being around guns. It doesn't bother me. What does frustrate me is, especially during special session, when, you know, the juxtaposition of you could have a firearm in committee, but you couldn't hold an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. That was um, a little bit like, what what are we doing? You're allowing guns, but you can't allow pieces of paper. What what are you more afraid of here? Well, Joel Ebert, who <laughs> was on our show, said put the piece you of paper. Put the sign on a gun. Yeah, put the piece of paper on a <laughs> gun. Write, write the message on the. Okay, gun. yeah, you know, maybe I need to just go get my permit and I'll bring it and I'll put the sign on the gun. I, I, if, what do you think that would do you, in the media? It would explode, <laughs> and and it, I mean, I'm telling you it. We can't we can't steal the it was not technically our idea but Joel Ebert, uh, Joel Ebert gets okay. credit for it but I'm I'm serious you should do it okay you should do it because it would yeah. it would fly around the internet faster than anything we've ever seen okay I, I like that idea um our our solution was we ended up putting a sign on our shirts um and so we had these signs that um, I think a lot of people thought we were just gonna be show up for a little bit and then get tired and go away. And so and there was one press conference where you could see our frustration building throughout the week during special session. And there was one press conference where um, we started to be more confident about taking 
questions because I didn't, I just wanted a statement. Yeah. I was not used to this process. I wanted a statement and then I wanted to go about my business, but we took some questions and someone said, well, Hey, um, what if you don't get what you want? You know, what are you going to do next? And I said, I was so angry and you see it on my face. I said, you know, take a look at these faces I said, we now understand the importance of primaries and you're going to see these faces again and again and again. And so over the weekend, when we knew we couldn't have signs, we got these shirts printed that said, get used to seeing these faces. And so that was kind of our messaging coming in on Monday after the weekend. Well, I guess that leads me right into, would you ever then consider being a part of that primary process for the state I legislative would, office? Yes, I would absolutely. I have, um, I, I always tell people you can't get more Tennessee than me. I was born and raised, never lived outside of the state of Tennessee. And I love this state. It is in my blood. It is God's country. Um, I don't know when and if that will happen, but yeah, I've been open to consideration for that because um, some of the legislators in there are not, representing our state. This is my state. Don't mess with my Tennessee, y'all. You know, former state Senator Doug Henry had a quote about that that I've adopted myself. He said, you know, Tennessee born, Tennessee bred, and when I'm dead, they're going to call me Tennessee dead. I love it. Yeah. Drew, Drew Holcomb's got a pretty good song. Who, who yeah. He's a fr- friend of the pod. Uh, Drew Holcomb's got a pretty good song about yeah. Tennessee. So I'm curious about, because with your religious background, do you feel like that, and I grew up in a, a Lutheran household, just for full disclosure, um, I feel so often that it gets the, the the teachings or what you can believe in, or, you know, again, there's many different perspectives on the Bible, but do you think it gets weaponized, the Christian aspect of this, by the pro-firearm people at all? Like, do you think the Second Amendment and uh, the, the way people advocate for firearms, do you think that they weaponize the religious aspect in any of this? I mean, that's an interesting question. I think a lot of religion gets weaponized in other legislation. I don't I don't know that I see it a lot in firearm legislation, but it does seem like a lot of laws are passed based off of what is said to be Christian faith and a lot of that I don't align with. I don't I, my faith is not a faith of judgment, okay? Um but it, it's interesting because we always talk about, or we, I'm not going to say we, in the legislature, there's, there's always this notion of sanctity of life. And I, I can't imagine why, like, why is life, why is there no sanctity of life for a child in a classroom that's already been born? We want to protect these children so bad. They need to be protected once they are out of the womb as well. Let us take care of these children and not let them die by the number one cause of death, which is firearms. I almost lost my child to that. I, look, y'all, I have my child with me. He's a survivor, but that's not the same child I took to school that day. Do you understand? And that's another thing I want people to know. It's, yeah, we don't talk about, we talk about these tragedies when we talk about death, right? People people are equating these tragedies by the number of deaths that happen, and that is so tragic but also people are not looking at, there is a pool of faculty, staff, children that are survivors. They are different people now dealing with a real life trauma that will live with them the rest of their lives. And I always like to say, look, surviving isn't the goal here. When I'm in the legislature, I'm not fighting to create more survivors. Let's let's set the bar a little bit higher and prevent these tragedies in the first place. Having shootouts in a school because you're arming more teachers is not the goal because then you have a group of survivors that have seen and witnessed the most horrific act. So after the regular session, the governor says he's going to call a special session. I assume amongst your peers, there's some optimism that something's going to happen. And then the call comes out. I've talked about it on here. The call of the special session didn't have anything to do with firearms, despite what somebody might have said. The words on the page were not reflective of that. And what was your mood then or feelings then? And then after going through the special session on the end, like optimism, where you at now? Mm-hmm. Frustration is probably the best way to describe it. And but persistence. So persistence through frustration, because we knew that because the call was limited and, you know, I, I, I could see the, the pressures from inside um, really were what affected that call and what, what 
those words on the page reflected in that. Um, and so we, we know we're, we're aware of the pressures. We did think that I would say day one of session that we could make an impact. And then when, as we got on through the week and then we realized there was infighting between the house and the Senate, we realized we were kind of like stuck in the middle, almost like pawns in between the house and the Senate fighting. And that frustration went to kind of a new level of like, wait a second, can you guys take a step back and realize what we're trying to do? Like, let's let's set egos aside let's set all this infighting aside and let's really like focus on the issues you guys like have to come together that's your job um and so going into regular session um, and also in an election year okay um i'm a lot more wise i i did, again didn't know the political process before march there's trial by fire learned as i went um I la- i'm a lot more wise to things now and how things get done but I also know it's an election year, and so um, as and I know there's going to be a thousand bills dropping, right? So we've got to monitor these bills through next week. Um, I'm also aware of like some of these crazy bills you can't get fired up about because all these dudes are doing is pandering to their you know cons- their audience that they think is going to vote for them. We, they know that bill's not going to go anywhere, but they're writing a crappy bill. So they can tell their constituents, hey, I tried this. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm on to you. I know your game here. And guess what? I'm not going to talk about that bill. You're not going to get any press from me on that bill. So just put it back where it came from. Throw it in the trash. Sounds like you know a lot more about politics than you're letting on. (laughs) I think she might be suggesting some of this stuff is performative, Braden. In politics? Um, I am shocked by that. Well, what it does, it sounds like, there's progression here for you personally inside of the process. And what is your advice to someone who, who does, let's say they, they hear this or they hear your story or they've heard your story somewhere else. They see what you guys are doing. They go up there and they want to get involved. You've just gone through 10 months of learning and you just said that you kind of have different perspectives on things. What is your advice to someone who is jumping in and, and wants to do this, but like it's an intimidating building or I don't know where to go or, you know, what, what is your advice to someone who wants to be, even if it's, you know, a third of how many people are supposed to be allowed? How, what is your advice to someone who wants to be there? Yeah. Number one, I would say reach out to any of those organizations I mentioned earlier. They can, they can help you get through the process and kind of educate you. I don't care if anybody reaches out to me. I'm, I'm on Instagram. They can reach out. I would love to help them. But what my message is, is it is really easy to send an email, make a phone call. Those emails are tracked. Now, don't send a canned email, okay? That, that canned email means it's going in the can, y'all. It's going in the trash. <laughs> but um, really thoughtfully write an email and make sure that your your legislature, legislator knows your thoughts. Don't be afraid to say your thoughts. And then uh, y- y'all going to think I'm stupid, but I didn't know you could just walk up into the Capitol. Okay, I was born. <laughs> Last time I was in, ca- in the Capitol, I was in third grade and I had done some project and I got to take a picture with uh, Governor McWhorter <laughs> back in the day. And so I'm now a 45 year old woman walking to this Capitol um, realizing I could just get in. Like you go through security, you get in. Um, but that's also Cordell Hall. I, you know, I told y'all I was born and raised in Tennessee. My Cordell Hall used to be the state office building. So my dad worked, my dad worked for the state. I had been in Cordell Hall a ton. You know, when my dad, when snow days would happen or whatever, he would take me to work and he'd put me to work up there at Cordell. You can get into Cordell today just as easy as I did when I was in, you know, third, fourth grade. All you have to do is walk through security and then there's, different legislators on different halls. Everything's accessible via the website. Look up who you want to see. And in my business, I'm in sales, so I I like to door knock. So I just go around, kind of knock on doors and make friends. So it is that easy, y'all. You can go in and um, get into these places. And it, it is, the government is for you. It's the people's house. Your tax dollars are paying for this. Don't be afraid to make that step. And if you need a little help, Give, give one of those organizations a call and we'll help you out. What about while you're not just knocking on doors and talking to people? Is there anything else that you found to be advantageous from a practice standpoint, in your opinion? Well, I just I make observations, right? I'm, I'm, I'm taking it all in and, and kind of with a clean slate. So I do see that uh, I, I also track the website. I, I track schedules. I see when people are in, when committees are meeting, especially even outside of session there are committees that meet. So you kind of know who's coming in from out of town and you can 
book a meeting around that. Um, and, and all you have to do is call, ask their assistant, book the meeting and go. But I also know kind of which floors to walk on, <laughs> y'all. I know y'all are laughing because you know what I mean. But, um, you know, it's kind of like high Don't school. Don't be seen on four. Don't be seen on four. <laughs> Um, the thoughts and opinions of Jamie Holland do not reflect those of the podcast. Um, yeah. So like, like, honestly, it was raining the other day and, um, I know all the security guards and everybody. And, and I was like, y'all, I had to walk, I walk over there cause my office is right, right by the building. And, um, it was pouring down rain. I had my, um, my Tacovas on and just so I wouldn't get my regular shoes wet. And, and I was like, can I like put my boots somewhere? And he's like, no, I can't guarantee you like have those boots there when you leave. So I'm four. I put my boots, I go visit them, put my boots in someone's office, put my umbrella down. And then I take the elevator up and I go to five, six, you know, and start making the rounds and seeing who's walking around and just kind of talk to them. All you need to know about, about politics at the state level, just you might get your boots stolen. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you that need to know. If you take your boots there, um, that and you can bring a gun into Cordell, but you cannot bring it over to the Capitol. So you might want to leave it somewhere. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time uh, and for doing what you're doing. I think there's a lot of people, as you've pointed out, based on polling, that completely agree with what you're doing um, and, and are supportive. And I hope what you're doing allows people, uh, gives them cover to to join the fight and join the conversation and join engagement with their, their representatives and other people in their community. Uh, it's the only way this stuff happens is through all of yeah. us just sort of doing our, our part with our friends and our family and our community. So I think there's a lot of people that are that are that are on your side on this particular issue and um, keep doing what you're doing. So thank you. And I think one last thing I would like to say is um, again, being naive to this, I, I have really come to realize that the legislation made on a local level on the state, Tennessee level, local level, even in your school board, that's what you need to be paying attention, attention to the most. People tend to want to just vote in federal elections and watch federal politics and CNN and et cetera. Honestly, you need to switch your focus and look at the state level and really see what's going on there because that's what's going to impact your lives the most. And so if you don't get involved, um, you're going to regret it. I think that is a perfect place to end the conversation. TLDR, listen to Pod Bless Nashville. <laughs> yes, Pod Bless Nashville is like my go-to to learn stuff. So keep listening, y'all. Okay, uh, keep going. You can keep going. You can stay <laughs> as long as you want. Well, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time um, and uh, for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Appreciate y'all. That was Melissa Alexander. Uh, I guess she doesn't mind being, we'll just call her covenant mom. She doesn't mind that and uses it and finds power and strength in it. I admire her for that. I admire her for what she's been doing and what her group is doing. And I think they've learned a lot. And I think, if I had to guess, Jamie, the art of the possible is probably going to be led by someone like her on this particular issue in our particular state. So I think people should be proud of her and, and the work she's doing right now. Well, Democrats can't do it, Brady. They, they could file a thousand bills every day, even if there wasn't a bill filing limit. And it's not going to move the needle. It has to come from the Republican side. It has to be reasonable but just one small tick on the pendulum and let it fall the other way. We can at least keep people with a mental disease or defect from getting immediate access to a firearm. Beef up the background check system for dealers but in order to make those work in harmony we need a statewide court filing system even in davidson county we have what i'd call four, four courts you got the juvenile court you've got general sessions court you've got circuit court and you've got chancery court General Sessions Court and Circuit Court has one type of court filing system. Juvenile Court, Chancery Court, they have an entirely different court filing system. Even in our own county, 
we don't have a unified court filing system. That background check system's not going to function absent a unified court filing system. That way, all records throughout the state can be checked. That's some pretty low-hanging fruit. Should be easily easily attainable and shouldn't lead to anyone getting primaried over it. I know that might not that might be optimism on my part, but those are some basic steps to protect Tennesseans that should be on the hearts and minds of all 132 members of the legislature. And of course, there are a variety of other things that the average person in any country in the world would call reasonable. So we're, we're, we're just giving you the, the lowest possible bar here to clear. This, yeah. this is the, like, there's a lot of other communities that would say, oh, X, Y, and Z is also very smart, rational, reasonable, and intelligent, and safe. And we're not even talking about those things. We're just talking about the first baby steps here. I'm far, far away from being anti-gun. And talking to some people last night, a friend of mine from Williamson County, they, they've got every manner of gun on the market, but they keep the assault rifle, AR-15, they don't, they don't keep that one in their house. That one's somewhere else. But they, too, don't want someone with mental health issues having that same weapon. Nobody fears the government coming to get that gun. No real thinking human being thinks that. But everyone agrees. We don't want people with mental health issues having access to those weapons. What can we do to make sure in some small measurable way to stop that from happening? If for no other reason... There's no exceptions to abortion in the state of Tennessee. So pre-birth, you're going to arrive. Once you arrive... We will protect you as much as possible. Once you arrive, the policy is, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, is you're on your fucking own from here. And it's the number one cause of death in the state of Tennessee. If it was anything else that was the number one cause of death for kids... It'd be a bill filed in the legislature that get committee votes, get to the floor. There'd be a vote on it. Especially if 75% of the state wanted it to happen. You know, the, the, the simple cognitive trick you can do there is, well, why is that the case? Why is this misalignment between polling and the legislature? It's because of the gerrymander. And until that's fixed, we got to... Go for this low-hanging fruit. All right. Well, we do appreciate Melissa for giving us some time. Uh, we know she's had to tell her story a, a number of different times and ways and a million different places, and uh, hopefully you guys saw something different in, in her and what she's doing. And uh, I think, Jamie, the same advice we give folks I think applies here, and I think she gave it you give some good actionable advice as well which is reach out to one of those organizations. Uh, you can always email and contact legislators and council members and elected officials. You can always go find another area of the state and help support a candidate that you think might do something on this stuff. We are an election year. All of these are little things you can do to try to help be a part of the solution. So uh, we, and, have, and we maybe, appreciate Melissa. Maybe, you know, I don't know if you've seen recently, Brian, you can get a lock to your gun available at the various... Uh, it's for free, right? For freebie, to or as Sam might remind me, if the government spending money, it came out of mine in your pocket somewhere. Sam Stockard, <laughs> not Uncle Sam. <laughs> so free, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, we all paid for it, but you can go get one of them. I have them. I haven't gone and got one of theirs state issued maybe it's branded with a logo on it yeah, you're more of a private guy anyway <laughs> make me feel good about it haslam initiated logo change but like no other issue would be treated this way it's because the second amendment 
It's the United States Constitution. If I didn't know any better, I would think there's not a Bill of Rights or 26 amendments to the Constitution. There's only one. Well, what about the fourth? What about the fifth? What about the sixth? Like, can, can we move it, the needle, just a little bit? Can I end this on a on a relaxing note for folks? Uh, to uh, do, you, people... do you have God's plant accessible to you right now, Braden? <laughs> Is that what you need to calm down over there? I think there's cans of that stuff lying around uh, all over the city, apparently. Uh, hey, it's crazy, Braden. I don't want my kid to die at school. I, I don't want to drop how, my how, kid off at school. How fucking dare you. And not make it back. But I, I want, want but but I want to have fun. I want to go into my backyard and have fun. Your child's I safety go, is not as important as my fucking entertainment. Go to the farm and shoot around. You don't understand. All right, here's what I recommend for you, for you, for all of you diehard Second Amendment, Second Amendment people that have made it this far into our podcast. <laughs> I don't think so, Brad. I don't think they're here. Here's what. Here's what. Just go to go to YouTube. Go to the Google machine. Neil Brennan has a plan to test the Second Amendment. Just go watch it. Just go check it out. And and maybe find a, a laugh in all of this, which is quite hard to do. But Neil Brennan has a plan to test the Second Amendment. Go check it out. It'll it'll make you laugh. So uh, in, a, in a very serious episode, and, and, and frankly, Melissa was great. Uh, we do appreciate her. Again, check out all those different organizations that she mentioned. Email, contact, Elected officials, it's all the same stuff we tell you to do. So get in, on it. Get on it, Tennessee. Let's in, go. in some other state, the government might come get your gun. The state of Tennessee's government not coming for what? anybody's firearm. I don't know what of the 50 states you're fucking talking about. I mean, if I want to move to Europe, sure. Canada, maybe. But I'm not sure which of the 50 is doing that. I mean, I thought Obama. Not in this country. Did Obama come get them? I think he tried and right after Sandy Hook failed because we're pretty fucked up on this issue. But that's that's just me. All right. Neil Brennan has a plan to test the Second Amendment. Just go watch it. Just go watch it. All right. Thank you to Melissa. Good stuff, Jamie. My name is Braden Gall. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Pod Bless Nashville is a production of 440 Media, produced by me, Braden Gall. All music on the program is brought to you by the great William Tyler. And of course, PBN is brought to you by our great friends, 8th and Roast, Better Beans, Better Products. Make sure you go check out the great folks over at 8th and Roast. 